1: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to your claim lawyers, a no win no fee personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1 800 your claim or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Ably, four goals to Ablin. Oh, just a you okay. Justin Madden's got the sit, one hand. Oh, he's oh, oh. oh the post is
0: broken. <laughs> oh, talk
1: about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Oh, thank you very much, dear Byron, and uh, welcome wherever you're listening, around Australia and, in fact, the globe, because that is the power of the social media that sends our product right around the earth every time we speak to an absolute champion of the VFL-AFL and thousands of men have played the game at this, the highest level. Some play and move on. Others, folks, have a more of an impact, both on and off the field. And the select few make a lasting impression that will be indelibly be recorded in the history of the game forever. We've got one here today, folks. We've got one right out of the box. Because this man played 191 games at the highest level. He kicked 874 goals, if you don't mind. Won a Copeland Trophy in 1970. Won the Coleman Medal in 72 and 73. 72 was All-Australian. Collingwood leading goal kicker in 67 through to 74 every year in between. And the piece de resistance. He was inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame in 1999 and took his rightful place as one of the greatest goal kickers of all time, I speak of Peter McKenna. I have him online today, and Peter, it's great to have you on This Is Your Football Life.
0: It's a pleasure, Rex. Uh, thanks for having me.
1: What a career. Uh, where did it start? I believe West Heidelberg, but it wasn't always Collingwood. I believe you're barrack for the Bombers.
0: I was the most passionate Essendon supporter of all time, mate, and... Uh, Growing up in West Heidelberg, which a real working class, young Aussie family starting off in life, working class areas, as I said, and uh, nearly everyone in West Heidelberg, Barrack, for either Collingwood or Fitzroy, and I was the one man out, I used to run around my little Essendon jumper, and uh, and they everyone used to stir me in the local area when I was a little boy about been so one eyed bombers.
1: What, why do you think this was just a family or your dad or your sister? What, no. What uh, was the influence,
0: Pete? No. Well, a, a kid, often you're influenced by um, one of the kids you admire around the corner. So there's one other, and he talked me into barracking for Essendon, and a neighbour took took me when I was a little boy to, out to Windy Hill a couple of times. So I was hooked for. For life, my sister who died when she was 23. Yes. She was the crazy Collingwood supporter in the family. My dad was one-eyed Carlton. Even in 1970, when we played in the Grand Final, Dad said, "I hope you do well, Pete, but I'm barracking for Carlton."
1: Well, Marie uh, lost Ma- her Marie. Marie rather lost her life, uh, life tragically to epilepsy. She suffered with it all her life, yep. and on an, your 21st birthday, uh, eight days before, she sadly lost her battle. What a huge weight on your shoulders, because family is everything.
0: Well, I lost uh, Mari, we lost Mari at 23, and my brother at 29. Goodness uh, me. Yeah, he, he uh, actually drowned in the bath. He, oh. Yeah, we, we and Dad died in between, so that's why I had a oh. great love for my mum, because... Uh, to have three deaths in the family and oh. lose two of your children in a short period of time. And actually, Murray died on a Saturday morning, and I was in the shower, and Mum screamed out, and she died in her sleep. And we were to play Carlton that afternoon. Yes. And I ended up actually playing. A local priest came round and talked me into playing, and I walked down to the Gold Square. I had to play on uh, Wesley Lofts. Oh, gee. And uh, I cried all the way to the footy, and... Yeah. Um, And I walked up and Wedsloft put out his hand and said, sorry to hear about your sister. Wow.
1: It's an amazing amazing story, story, isn't it? It is amazing. People that, 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 you know, Loft who lost his own uh, battle with illness recently. There's a soft part in a lot of us. Uh, tell us about the journey that saw you as an 18-year-old make your debut in 1965 with Collingwood. Tell us about uh, the, the, the trip, the, the junior trip, and then the approach from Collingwood or other clubs. Tell us how you, how you got to the highest level for round 165.
0: Well, when I was a little boy, I, I lived next door to a soccer ground. So all my early years, I played competitive soccer from the age of eight till I was thirteen, and oh, yeah. obviously played Aussie rules at school. Yep. And uh, we uh, we had just wonderful men from uh, all different nationalities who saw us little Aussie kids kicking the Aussie rules footy around up on this soccer and they said, do you want to play uh, soccer? And we said, oh, yeah. So we travelled all around Victoria playing competitive soccer and I absolutely loved it. And then yeah. uh, was playing. We had a local YCW. We had a very famous priest um, who who started our YCW and our, our youth club there, Father Kevin Mogg, who's uh, he's his brother was a great North Melbourne player in the yeah. early 50s, Les Mog. Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, so I started playing West Hollywood, YCW. Johnny Murphy played there, Mick Irwin. Uh, Gee. Yeah, we we were sort of never lost a game. I was one of the ordinary players as a little kid. Yeah. I improved a bit when I got to 15 years of age, but... We had great sides in West Tidalburg and we were sort of feared in the YCW competition because no one could beat us. We, we we had great sides.
1: Yeah, and and you went to Collingwood and they promptly, in the, promptly put you in the goal square for your first game in 1965. Uh, tell us about the first season where you played 13 games, I think.
0: Well, what happened was I went down there in 65 uh, with all the March champions, Rex, expecting oh, yeah. to maybe play in the thirds or yeah. the hopefully the seconds, but a pretty good. I played centre-forward in those years and uh, I played on Johnny Marne in the practice matches and played fairly well, but I was much taller than John. And I think it was the case, you know, in those days, the older blokes sort of went through the motions a bit and the young yep. guys tried their guts out. Yes. And I think that's, I sort of, I got a hell of a shock and the sides came out for the first game and... Uh, I was selected wow. and uh, went down. The first game was against the Saints at Moorabbin, the first time they'd used the Moorabbin football ground.
1: I reckon it might have been Verdon Howell or Bob Murray who lined up on you.
0: Well, I'll tell you what happened. I started centre-forward. Oh, did you? I played on Ian Sinman, remember yes. Ian? The yeah, big Num- Tough, red-headed, red-headed center number back.
1: nine, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then I was moved to full forward onto, didn't get any easier, onto Verdon Howell was wow. a Brownlow medalist. Brownlow medalist yeah. And I was pretty nervous. I can remember running into an open goal twice and kicking two points. So uh, it wasn't a a great uh, start. But I had a couple of good games early in in and out of the side in 65.
1: 66 was just the absolute standout start for you when you booted 12 in the first game of the year. And I think the record still hold with Coleman. And I think Tony Modra and yourself, the three... I haven't uh, checked this, but you can put me right, but I reckon the three of you hold the record for round one in any competition of the league, 12 goals. What an amazing effort.
0: Well, I'd, what had happened is I'd, all summer, Rex, I trained with the pro runners, and a guy I grew up with, a very good pro runner, called Johnny McHugh, and uh, we trained at Warringal Park Heidelberg all summer, and I just ra- did all the sprinting Yeah. We, under old Bill Toomey, the famous uh, father of all the Toomey brothers. Yes. And Bill had won, the, old Bill we used to call him, as distinct from young Bill. Yeah. And he was a wonderful man, and he took, he just took us. It was all free of charge. He took us down there, and uh, I trained, and I got much quicker. And, yeah. uh, and then the first game, I started centre-half forward against Hawthorne and got moved to full 14. Graham went out to centre-half forward. And then bang. And 12 goals, the ball yeah. followed me. Just one of those days. Well, you where... do have
1: one of those days, and you're such a young yeah. fella. And I think, uh, you know, uh, the early season there just showed that the the, the game was taking a great change. That. Blokes didn't play cricket anymore in the summer. They didn't lay on the beach. They actually trained. And I think John Tom and then got his troop together at the Caulfield Racecourse. I'm sure Big Len and Des Tuddenham were part of that too. And it was, you know, the first sign of AFL footballers or VFL footballers back then filling in their summer by getting fit for next year.
0: We did. And I, I actually ran in a few, not in the actual gifts, but I ran in some of the 100-metre and 75-metre races. Um, yeah. And... uh but a lot of the footballers ran in gifts. There were a lot, even Kevin Bartlett did a lot of running and that's the way you got fit in those days and you you wanted to be quick and it certainly helped me training under old Bill and it was just a wonderful time in my life because I loved that guy who was like a, He was like a grandfather to me.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're scratching your head wondering, you can recognise the voice. It's that of the famous Peter McKenna, our guest today on This Is Your Football Life. And in 1934, Australia snatched the ashes from England and Tobin Brothers' funerals began serving the community of Victoria. In the 80 years since, Leo, Fonce, Tom and Kevin launched their fledgling funeral business, Tobin's have served more than 228,000 families and become one of Australia's most respected and trusted funeral companies. Tobin Brothers Funerals are celebrating lives and we're celebrating the footy life of Peter McKenna, one of the stars of the game. Tell us about the unbelievable friendship that you struck up with Bob Rose when you first went to Victoria Park.
0: Well, again, we were, I was so fortunate to to play with a great club and to have a guy like Bob Rose as my coach. He was a wonderful person. He he could be tough. He was honest with you. He would tell you if you're a weak in an area and he, would, he was very, very strong, but he liked skillful players, and there's been a lot of talk over the years that um, he was such a said, social player himself, tough and skillful, that we didn't have enough tough players in our side. A lot of people have said that to me. Years We had Tutty, of course, and yep. Jerker used to throw his weight around a little bit. But uh, but uh, really, uh, Bob was, again, like a father figure to me. I loved him and a uh, beautiful wife, wonderful family. Uh, Elsie, his wife, was a lot of people don't realise she was a sensational singer when yes. she was a young lady. She used to sing in the restaurants around Melbourne. They called her the the Vera Lynn or the Judy Garland wow. of Melbourne. She was that good a singer, but she well, was she, shy and she, didn't sing all that much at the Collingwood functions.
1: So I could mention her in the same sense as, as Peter McKenna and people would say, wow, she must have been good.
0: <laughs> she was fantastic.
1: Good on you. Another great combination I can recall as a football lover watching from the outer and then watching as a Richmond player in the 60s and 70s was your fantastic coordination with Barry Price out of the centre. If, if ever I could explain to people you know, what footy's about, it was Goggin to Wade in those particular days and Price out of the centre to McKenna leading. You had just a wonderful, wonderful understanding of each other and where the ball was going to be.
0: Yes, Pricey was and not only a sensational footballer, but a sensational person—the uh, most modest person you'd ever meet in your life. But I—I I was so lucky to play as a full forward. You rely so heavily on your midfield, and I had Pricey, who was just the most sensational kick. I. He knew exactly where, without even looking, where I was going to run, and I knew where he was going to kick it. And uh, I also had the Richardson brothers, um, Wayne and Max. So Wayne and Max were great kicks, and Pricey was also a great kick. And, you know, so I was lucky. When you're a forward, you rely so much on guys. I know Jason Dunstall speaks with reverence about Darren Jarman. Yes, and the way that he could kick the ball to him, both feet and um, but barry was a wonderful guy he was shy and he was modest and we used to call him bubber he was like a little baby when he first came to the club from up the bush and uh, he was a wonderful player
1: enjoying immensely and i hope you are right around the nation and in fact the globe chatting with peter mckenna the absolute afl legend of the game there's no doubt about that when the history of goal kicking is written he'll take his rightful place in the stardom of what attracted people to the game. Please take a break, relays, and come back and join us as we continue the journey on behalf of Tobin Brothers celebrating the football life of the great Peter McKenna. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And he is an absolute legend. He is Peter McKenna, amongst other things, a member of the AFL Hall of Fame for his goal-kicking feats at Collingwood. Uh, Pete, you just had some wonderful days down at Collingwood, but... The Collie Wobbles were actually spawned down there because you had some bad luck stories, didn't you, down at Collingwood?
0: Well, we did, and but I don't make excuses. We had our chances. We were in the finals nearly every year I was there. Probably one year we missed out on playing finals. The one we should have won was 1970 uh, to be that far in front at half time and lose. Well, but no excuses. Carlton were a great side in those yep. days and they kicked eight goals straight in the third quarter and... You know, but I'll tell you what I've never got over it It's uh you know you 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 have played in a couple of Premierships wrecks, and yes. uh you know what that's the ultimate that's what you aim for and I, I feel as though I was robbed, but we had our chance and we we weren't good enough on the day
1: well, such is the champion uh that we're talking here today is uh, Peter McKenna um your career ended rather quickly at Victoria Park and who would ever have thought that you'd go to the archenemy Carlton. Tell us about uh, the circumstances that saw you leave your beloved Victoria Park, Pete.
0: Well, what actually happened was I'd I like to tell people I didn't leave Collingwood to go to Carlton. I left Devonport to go to Carlton. I got hurt in um, 1975, did my kidney. I've got lost half a kidney, same as Sam Newman. Yes. He had the same injury. And I retired, and then Devonport approached me. They got me a teaching job up there, and I played for Devonport. Then I got the urge to play for Coningwood again, rang Tom Hapie, and he said, yeah, train when you I finished my year over there teaching. Came back and trained under Tommy, and I, I uh, was the fittest I've ever been in my life under Tom. Yeah. But I got offered to play um, when I left Collingwood. I was on $7,000 a year. Yes. I got offered $300 a week to play at Collingwood, and if I got dropped the seconds, I'd be on $100 a week. Yes. And I'd lost a lot of money in a bad business decision, and I just couldn't afford to play for that. And Carlton offered me, well, I say so, 12000 Gee whiz. To play. I had a two-year contract at Carlton, but believe it or not, I didn't play the second year because I felt... Strange playing against Collingwood. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I found it very, very difficult. I still felt I was partly... Even though I loved it at Carlton, and some of those guys are lifelong friends.
1: Well, I can remember almost pop status, you know, with you. You're like a pop star. Everywhere you went, you were mobbed, whether it was at the footy or the Melbourne show or just going into the supermarket. But the thing about it is that you took off uh, in the media very, very early. Uh, You know, shortly after you started to play in 1971 as well as appearing on Young Talent Time, uh, you uh, were co-host of Hey Hey, It's Saturday.
0: Yes, that was... Uh, and uh, I got a call from the famous North, um, Norm Spencer, the yes. producer of IMT, and he said, look, we'd like you to come on this kid show. We've got an 18-year-old kid, we reckon he's got a bit of talent. He's a singer and a drummer. And I said, well, if he's a singer, he and I'll get on. Well, two great singers together, but... Uh, uh, it became, hey, hey, it's Saturday. I was on Saturday morning live from 8 o'clock till 12 o'clock. The, un- the problem was I had to play football in the afternoon. And one particular day, I didn't get a touch. The- Neil Mann was the coach. He said, look, the committee's met. You can stay on the Ted Whitten footy show on the Friday night. You have to give up the Saturday morning. So I'm the only bloke ever in the world to have been replaced by a stuffed ostrich. Goodness me. And, mate, they went on for 28 years, both became multimillionaires, <laughs> and I'm still working for a living.
1: OK, uh, I can remember some massive days in the VFA when Channel O, before they became Channel 10, had the exclusive rights to the VFA through the homes of Victoria and southern New South Wales, and, you know, blokes like Fred Cook and uh, the like absolutely start on the screens. But you had a wonderful VFA uh, 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 VFA time with Geelong West, Port, Port Melbourne. Your captain coached them. And then in the uh, twilight career, you went out to Northcote and continued to kick goals.
0: Well, I, the, I retired after... I went to Geelong West because Stewie Lord, um, I admired him, he approached me to play then, I loved him, great guy, and then I retired again, and then Port got stuck for a coach, because Mm. I think Glenn Elliott pulled out at the last moment, I think that's what, and this was just before the season, and they came to me and said, look, we're a bit stuck, we have to have a captain coach, I hadn't trained or anything, so I talked it over with my wife, Marita, and then... um, I decided I'd do it but, and I loved it for the year but it was halfway through the year I got the phone call from Lou Richards, Yeah. Uh, would I like to commentate with Channel 7 and uh, so I saw Port Melbourne about it so I was commentating of a Saturday with Channel 7 and um, coaching Port on Sunday so there, it wasn't a good combination, uh, it was hard to coach and be a commentator as well so I, at the end of the year I gave it away and then Gary Bryce came back to Port Before
1: uh, Lou Richards contacted you, did you have any uh, aspirations to be a commentator? Because you went on for so long.
0: I had 20 years at Channel 7 yeah. and a wonderful years traveling around Australia, calling with Sandy Roberts and Bruce McAvaney and, yes. and Dennis Cometti and all the footballers, Donnie Scott. And we used to do that Armed Reserve Cup, Sandy Roberts, myself and Donnie Scott. They were wonderful afternoons down there. And
1: were you down there the day that Slug said, oh, he's hit the boy? When, uh, yes, the, 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 I was the, commentating
0: with Sandy. Yes. Scotty uh, had gone over to uh, South Australia, Coast South Adelaide, yeah. and, uh, and Slug says, "Whoa, he's give him one." Not he's given him one. He's given him one. he's what was that bloke's name that jumped the fence? And yeah, Johnny Burke.
1: Johnny Burke. Yeah, I tell you what, he didn't miss anybody, did he?
0: he? <laughs> I know John real well, and yeah. he is the nicest guy you'd ever meet in the world. But he you certainly know. had
1: white line fever that day.
0: Yeah, he didn't kick the umpire. No, he He didn't. tripped him up.
1: Yeah. Well, there is a very, very subtle difference, isn't there, Your Honour?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it wasn't vicious. He just shoved him over, you know.
1: What do you think about the game today? Uh, Do you think the game is lesser because we don't have star full forwards kicking between 70 and 120 goals today?
0: Well, there's two things I hate. Look, I love the game still, and they're sensational athletes, and they're better than we were on both sides of the body, and I think the game is actually tougher physically today with the tackling, and it was dirtier in our day, and I think you'd agree with that. You'd always get the whack behind the head. Yes. But... um, the two things I don't like, I think they should ban um, taggers. I think there's a lot of... I go to a lot of football, there's a lot of illegal tagging going on. And I don't reckon any player should be able to block players from getting to the contest. Just put your arms in and block blokes like Judd and uh, uh, Griffin, uh, uh, Footscray, all the... All the real, these
1: sort of blokes, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, I, I, we want to see the good players get to the contest. Yeah. And I would... I would come down real tough on taggers. I'd ban that blocking of players. And the other thing, I don't know what they can do about it, but I get sad seeing one half of the ground vacant yeah. and every player down the other half because all the forwards are instructed now to get up the ground and uh, and uh, create contest up around the middle. And even towards, you see lots of forwards getting kicks on the back line. Yeah. And that's the worst part of the game. And I think it's making people a little bit... Disillusioned, they want to see the old-time one-on-ones.
1: It's great to catch up with Peter McKenna today on This Is Your Football Life. And, folks, attending a funeral at any one of Tobin Brothers' 21 chapels is now just a phone call away. Those unable to be at a funeral in person for regions of illness, cost or tyranny of distance can still be there in voice by recording a telephone tribute the day before the service. For more information go to AU or call 93737000. Now, tying together is nearly up, Pete, but I can tell you, you now I think uh, we miss today the crowds flocking to see the great duels between the great champions. You know, when you lined up against David Dench or Barry Richardson or the, the crowds came from miles just to see the big boys do battle with each other. And I think when you say all of the players are down one end, I think that's something that the game's lacking today. What do you think?
0: I agree with that. And you mentioned the fullback. backs so I'd mention one guy that I used to hate playing on and no one gives a rap to is Harvey Merrigan. Oh, what a play. I, I found him the hardest fullback. And yes. then there was Dench and Southby and Calvin Moore and Barry Richardson. There were a lot of good fullbacks around, as you know. and uh, But I found Harvey Merrigan uh, the hardest to play on.
1: OK, well, Peter McKenna has been our special guest today and it's just a delight for me uh, as as a great admirer of Peter outside the fence and having played on the same field to just uh, tell you what a fantastic player he was. And, Pete, you sound you're in a happy place and what do you do these days?
0: I, I'm a driver for the state government. I drive the president of the upper house around, a Bruce Atkinson, a mad Melbourne supporter and a good guy. And I just love it, Rex, because um, you meet a lot of interesting people and I, I want to keep working. I'll probably work till I'm 70 and uh, because I still want to keep going.
1: Isn't that fantastic, of you, Peter McKenna on This Is Your Football Life today right around the nation. And if you'd like to hear extended versions of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. You into Facebook, are you, Pete?
0: Uh, not really, no. I. Not uh, really or no? I, I'm living in the past, no.
1: May I tell you what? You know, I have a dictionary that I'm looking at here on this interview today that has two words that are not in the community today. They're called please and thank you. <laughs> so when we said please, Peter, will you come in, we were delighted when you said yes. And I'm saying on behalf of the entire football community around the nation, thank you very much for your time today.
0: Pleasure, Rex.